it's just to kind of open the door um, to, the, to the conversation and to the discussion. And I think it's one of those things that we avoid talking about. People don't want to talk yeah, about it, it, that's death a and good point. taxes and their money and their right. estate. But but if we think about it in terms of, of legacy and leaving, um, you know, leaving behind a sustainable path forward for the charities that you care about. Estate planning is for everyone and every generation. I'm Becky Kaiser with Hayes Post and Eagle Radio News. I'll talk with Sarah Meitner about estate planning and the fall grant cycle with the Heartland Community Foundation on this episode of the Post Podcast. This Thursday from noon to one, we have our um, hopefully the first of a quarterly lunch and learn, but the topic is estate planning and the title is um, estate planning isn't just for boomers. So yes, really trying to hit home that every generation, if you're a legal adult, you need to be thinking about what your estate plan might be um, and exploring what, you know, what you need to do, what steps you need to take to, to get something in place. And that's really part of what Heartland and, and foundations, community foundations like that are all about is that's how generally helps us get our funding started and then it becomes very cyclical it and can. grows. It definitely can. You know, we receive gifts all the time. So there's people can give a gift, a one-time gift. They can give a gift now to support their, um, a, you know, a favorite charity, a favorite cause, um, just their community in general. Um, but but they also need to be thinking about gifts of the future and what their legacy might be. We talk a lot about the word legacy. Mm-hmm. What um, what is the legacy that you're going to leave behind? And and certainly that is in your heirs. It's in your loved ones. It's in the memories that they have of you. But but it also can be in how you give back from your estate. Um, that one time gift is certainly appreciated. No nonprofit is going to say that it isn't. Um, and it might go into. Um, you know, an operations fund or a building fund, or they might use it for something really important to expand their mission. But, but an estate gift that's maybe endowed and and can grow over time and gives a sustainable gift every year, even after you're gone in your name or in your memory or in the name of your family. um, That's really a tremendous way to cultivate legacy. And one that I hope people are thinking about, not just about protecting their assets, but also in what their legacy might be. I like that word sustainable. That mm-hmm. th- We can use that in several different fashions regarding the uh, foundation itself and, and the future. We also talk about the word estate, and there are going to be, no doubt, some people like me who's like, Sarah, I don't have a very big you know estate. To do. How a can I help? <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. I think the number is one in three people, one or one in three, 65% of people believe that an estate plan is important but only 34% of people have one. Ah. Um, and the the sad reality is that if you don't have an estate plan, the state will have one for you. Yes. Um, your assets will be tied up in, in probate court. It can slow the process. There might be, you know, if there's dependents involved, it can impact how they receive or who cares for them. Um, there really are a number of ways or a number of good reasons why at the bare minimum, you need a will, uh, maybe a durable power of attorney, something like that. But um, but a full comprehensive estate plan can really um, give you some peace of mind. And so who is going to be talking to the people who participate on Thursday? Sure. You'll have an expert there. We do. We do have an expert, local estate or a local attorney who does deal with estate plans, Julie Grabby. Um, it will be speaking and we'll be talking, but I'll also share some information about the Heartland Community Foundation 
um, and what we can do to help assist people who don't quite know where to start. Um, a really interesting thing, I think, is that, um, you know, we talk about estate plans for the generations and somebody in their their 30s or a millennial might, you know, they might go, why do I really need one? But what we're, what we're learning is that that sandwich generation, the millennials especially, and the Gen Xs are are outpacing, no, it's the Gen Zs. It's the Gen, the late Gen Zs and the millennials are outpacing the Gen Xs and the baby boomers with their estate plans. Oh, that's interesting. It's like millennials are the generation that are more likely to have one if you're looking at just broad, a broad scope of, of the figures, which is fascinating to me. But in some cases, they're adopting it and then trying use using that to then start a conversation with their parents, with their aging parents, um, which if if that's why you maybe want to attend a lunch and learn or explore an estate plan, I, th- I think that's a, that's a good reason to do it as well. Well, now that makes me think perhaps uh, some of the younger people in the youngest generation may, you were talking about uh, dependents, and maybe they don't have any dependents. Maybe they don't have a uh, a legal partner, can you still have an estate plan and make donations I, yes. I as a single that's person? One of the biggest myths is that, oh, an estate plan is only for somebody who's super wealthy. Um, really, the, the fact is, is that you probably have assets of some kind, whether it's real estate, whether it's life insurance or your retirement. Um, those are all part of your estate. And it, it will need to go somewhere. Uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about the, um, the take five, take five rule. I think that's what it, it's a, a community foundation, um, um, effort statewide. And, and it's saying to give 95% of your estate to your heirs and then take 5% and, and disperse that to the charities that have mattered most to you. Um, and, and the give back to your community in that way. If, you're, if your heirs aren't able to work with 95% of your estate, then 100% maybe wouldn't have made a, a big difference, whereas it can truly make an impact for, for a local oh, yes. nonprofit that might be benefiting. So we'll talk a, bit, a little bit about that, but really it's just to kind of open the door um, to, the, to the conversation and to the discussion. And I think it's one of those things that we avoid talking about people don't want to talk yeah, about it, it, that's death a and good point. taxes and their money and their right. estate but but if we think about it in terms of of legacy and leaving um you know leaving behind a sustainable path forward for the charities that you care about um or for your community that you've maybe raised your children in or you've worked in and you've been a part of um if you think about it in terms of legacy i think that shifts the focus and can make it more palatable to have a, you know, a discussion in a, in a room full of people. So we do have, I, you know, was hoping for 30 attendees and we have 24 registered. So I'm very happy so far with, um, with the interest, but I'd love to make room for a few more. So they want to go to our Facebook page. Um, it's on my website too, heartlandcommunityfoundation.org. They can email heartland at, at gscf.org to, to, to RSVP. It's noon to one on Thursday at Brief Space here in Hayes. Is there a charge for this, sir? Nope, it's free and I'll include lunch. I'll even throw in lunch well, for you. Well, heck of a deal. Yep. I just think that's a tremendous opportunity to, to give back and continue supporting your community even after you're gone. It really says something about what is available 
Are you going to say something, Jeff? I do. Please yeah. Tell us about it. I have actually a testimony on this. Here oh, let's and, hear it. And, and, and everything because um, uh, it's fairly somewhat common knowledge. I actually lost my wife earlier this year in February, just suddenly and tragically. And we didn't have a plan in place for anything with her other than like we had like those uh, car conversations of like, uh, would you like to be cremated or, mm-hmm. uh, or uh, buried a uh, full body casket or something along those lines. But other than that, we didn't have anything in place and going through um, all of that, uh, that uh, situation, it would have been nice to have like some sort of like uh living will or something along those lines. Something even basic. Exactly. Here's the really cool part. The Dangy Hansen Foundation, which of course is investing in all of the community foundations, not just Heartland, um, in our 26 county magic corner of Kansas, um, they have contracted with a local estate. Well, he's not local, he's in Kansas, but with an estate planning attorney. He runs a company called Stewardship Counseling. And all he does is work with with other large foundations, with other community foundations, um, university foundations to to help them work with their donors to establish estate plans. And Hansen has, in, beginning in 2024, we're contracting with him for an additional day a month. So we'll have four days a month um, that p- he's open and available to make appointments with people in Northwest Kansas. And all you maybe have to have as a, as a pre-thinking is that you want to do something charitable, but there's no requirements on an amount or a percentage. It can be, it can be anything. Um, but you then meet with him. There's a, an introductory meeting that takes about an hour and a half to two hours. Then there's about three to four meetings after that monthly. Um, some are over Zoom, some are in person. But then what you walk away with is a very comprehensive skeleton of a plan, a detailed plan that then you are you can take to the attorney of your choice to fully execute, thus saving you time and money and the expense of all of that that historical legwork that needs to happen with the attorney, you will have already done it. So you really can save lots of money by having the legwork done, but there is still some expense when you go to the attorney itself. But regardless, the the act of like going through the process, he's very, very thorough. My husband and I went through the process with him um, and he asks the questions that you've never thought of, never would have thought of. What was the question you got um, asked, you and well, your husband? Well, the, the atomic bomb clause even. What happens if all, I have five children and my husband and I, so there's seven of us. What happens if all seven of us go? And what happens with our estate at that point? You know, we have one with a special needs child, so we have to have a special needs trust. And he's very familiar with that. He has a child with a disability. Um, we have four education dependent trusts that are that are part of our plan. Um, so ours is a little unique. Every but every plan is going but to be different. Individual, yeah, I mean, because we don't we don't have oil to consider. We don't have farmland to consider. We don't have, you know, we have our retirement. We have our life our life insurance. Um, but every plan is going to be individualized. And he's he's very good at what he does, and he's very thorough. And um, I, you know, it definitely is a place to start when you don't quite know where to go. But the sticker shock of inquiring is enough to make you say, oh, I don't, we'll just do this later. We'll do this later. That's what Easy we all to say. Put off. We'll put it off. We'll do it later. But emergencies happen, tragedies happen, um, and you never know. And and the one thing that it does offer then is the peace of mind that, that you're covered. Um, we do say too that you need to look at your estate plan every three to five years. And John can do that as well. Maybe you have one that's five plus years old and you just need to update it. He can look at it and you can make those 
make those changes. Circumstances change. Yep. And it's nope. easy. To- Children are born, people get married or divorced, and, and it changes what the plan might look like. That is a super idea, yep. being uh, led through something that you know, people a lot of times don't want to talk about. And this is another example of something that you can do ahead of time so that your heirs don't have to worry about it or fight over it, perhaps. I'm sure that exactly. happens. Exactly. That's the number one reason why having an estate plan, having an estate plan, it will protect your family, the family relationships. Um, when you think about just everybody can get along while mom and dad is, are alive, but when they're not, things start to maybe break down and this will relieve that pressure if you already have the plan in place. Um, you know, we talk, the reason why the Hanson Foundation is so involved in, in supporting this is, is just looking at the transfer of wealth numbers. When we look at the next 40 years, even just in our Heartland area, so just Ellis County, Rooks County, and Trigo County, the numbers over $4 billion will transfer in wealth from one generation to the next. Wow. So that means that mom and dad are going to pass away or grandma and grandpa and the money is going to go to their heirs and their, their children. Um, what we're facing in Northwest Kansas is that those heirs don't all live in Northwest Kansas. And so that money, that wealth that has been the bread and butter of our community through just, you know, hard work and perseverance and all of the things that have made it us rich in what we have here in Northwest Kansas, it's, it may leave our, leave our region. And so when we talk about the transfer of wealth, it is it is part of, you know, part of the discussion is to say, what are you going to give back or what are you going to leave? And again, no, no percentage or money, monetary amount is ever um, said. It really is just up to the individual, but we want to just pose that question. And that's the reason why. What a great idea. I love it. Mm-hmm. Super. Well, come to the, come on Thursday if you'd like. <laughs> you know, in the back of my mind, I keep thinking too. And then this way, you don't necessarily have the people who leave their estate to the two dogs that, I mean, and, and I love dogs and I have two dogs, but to give back to the people that well, have made this such a great place to live. Sure, you can you support the sure Humane Society or you could, then, or absolutely. the Animal Refuge Center. I you mean, can okay. support whatever cause it is that you're passionate about. I was thinking about Pete and Sophie specifically. <laughs> but, and they did come from the Humane Society, actually. But well, there, we know there are more dogs well, out there. Well, where are they going to go? What's your plan for that? What is my cat going to do with my record collection, honestly? <laughs> right. So these are things that can be worked out ahead of time. Absolutely. Yes, it definitely can. So again, remind us, Sarah, you do start so Spots we do. We have, well, I wanted 30. We're at 24. So I have at least six spots open. Um, and really that's just for comfort in the room and, and feeling like too many people, can, it can get kind of kind of crowded in there. But um, we're, we'll be at Brief Space on Thursday from noon to one. Um, Julie will be speaking and then I will speak as well about the opportunity with the, um, to utilize John Griffin services through the Hanson Foundation. And, but certainly I hope that this is a conversation that continues and not just in October. October is National Estate Planning ah. Awareness Month. Next week is the actual week. And so that was the hence the timing of sure. this, but, but it is a conversation that needs to happen all the time. So get it on your calendar and, and Sarah's going to buy lunch. So be yep. there on Thursday. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Sarah, there's some other things that we wanted to be sure to remind people about. And also underway right now is the fall grant cycle from Heartland Community Foundation. And it'll be here before you know it. There is a deadline. There is a deadline. Up. November 15th is a deadline. We're currently open. I think I saw 14 in draft and six submitted. So I'm really happy to see the interest already. 
Um, in our spring cycle, we had a record number of grant applications. We had 69. Wow. So um, well, I'm curious to see if we are, you know, hit that number again, if we're somewhere near there. Um, that's maybe a little bit, I, you know, sometimes when there's more applications, there's more no's. So we'll see how it, how it turns out. But I can certainly help anybody who wants to get figured out how to get on the database and apply on our, we call it our, our grant portal. Um, I can help them get established. I can help read through the application. I just read through one, um, the end of last week for, for an applicant who just wanted to see how it's looking so far. And if I had any questions, I did. I made a couple of suggestions to them so they could go back and make those changes. So you can help out. I can help out. Yep. When we, when we actually review the applications, it's a, it's a member of, it's members of our community who are part of a grant committee. I am actually a non-voting member of that committee. I'm in the room and can can help answer questions, but I come in on the side of every applicant, on the side of the nonprofits to try to help them um, put forward the best application possible and to even get an application in. So we certainly, I'm here and available to help um, if if you have questions and hopefully we can get a few more in before the deadline. And remember, that's coming up on November 15th. Again, it'll be here before you know it. One other thing we wanted to talk about, Sarah Meitner, before we get let you get away, is something that has come up uh, in a couple of different instances, the possibility of establishing a community garden space. It did. You know, we just had two meetings, one in September, one in early October, called the Feeding Haze Summit where we brought together, um, convened, you know, the providers in, in town who do either community meals, they host a food pantry, they do something related to food. And through that, two work groups have come up, and one of them is the prospect of a community garden. Um, and incidentally, it had already been brought up to me. So um, stay tuned. I will be putting forward um, a date for it. We're gonna, a strategic doing um, meeting for that. Strategic doing is just a process of, how you push projects forward. You ask, what could we do? What should we do? What will we do? And what could we do with a community garden and space in town? I don't, I don't know the answer. That's what the pro, that's what the process is to, to explore. But if you have any interest um, in maybe helping with that effort, reach out to me because I'm putting together that invitation list and, and a date, and I'd love to include you, include you at it. So Heartland at, gscf.org or you can find me on Facebook. You can find our our website at uh, heartlandcommunityfoundation.org. Um, reach out so I can add you to that list. Maybe that's something that our extension master gardeners could get oh, involved. They're with already as well. on. They're already on my they, radar. They've already they just don't to know you. it yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did have a couple of people from the K State Extension attend the Feeding Hay Summit, so they are aware ah, in that way. Good, yeah. good. And you and I were talking earlier too that a couple of the uh, schools here in Hayes have their own gardens. They do. So yeah. So there's a question. TMP has a garden. We had an application come from Ellis High School last year that I know they're exploring ways to have a garden. Fort Hayes has a garden. Um, you know, I know in the TMP case, it is supplying vegetables to the food pantry at St. Joseph's. So there's this wonderful opportunity for partnership in getting some some foods available that maybe otherwise wouldn't be to the, the individuals who need food boxes from our food pantries. Um, one thing that came up at the Feeding Hay Summit, too, is to provide recipe cards, maybe partnering with some other organizations to do how, if you know, if you're giving somebody a bell pepper, how can they use that bell pepper? And what else are you giving them to make a meal out of that? 
um, or whatever the, the vegetable might be. So, well, I don't know. We'll see. I think there's a lot of opportunity for, for people to get involved in a, you know, who maybe aren't getting involved now. And that's the beauty of what a community foundation can offer. Absolutely. Gardeners. And we, I know that we have lots of both vegetable and floral gardeners. Well, that's the thing. That's what I've said. I've said, do we want a garden that's just a pretty space with lots of beautiful flowers where you can go and reflect or maybe find some peace? Or do we want one that's vegetables and growing and, um, you know, you know, supplying, you know, food to the community and I think there's room for both. Yes, I would so think so. We'll see what a nice the, little combo. We'll see what the <laughs> what the community meeting it, it comes up with.